This podcast is supported by Mercury Gate International Inc., a global provider of cloud-based enterprise transportation management software that allows shippers and service providers to supercharge their business. The Mercury Gate TMS delivers transportation planning and execution, load optimization, global shipment tracking, and performance analysis of involved parties. Mercury Gate enables your business to be smarter, stronger, faster, better than the competition by supporting all modes of transportation and handling multimodal, multi-leg, global transportation requirements door-to-door. TMS that delivers. www.mercurygate.com Now, on to the podcast. The drones are ready to launch, but the law is far behind. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Imagine a sky full of drones, dropping parcels here and there, buzzing constantly overhead. That, apparently, is the future of the delivery business. And Amazon isn't the only one with plans to fly product to our doorsteps. But so many details remain to be clarified, especially the legal aspects. Does the Federal Aviation Administration have jurisdiction over drone flights? It seems to think so, but others disagree. What's the potential for lawsuits in the event that a drone injures people or property? What about the nuisance factor? How about privacy concerns? These and other problems are the topic of my conversation today with attorney Joshua Dalrymple. He is a professor at Kaplan University and a specialist in legal technology and ethics. He talks about the complications that are sure to arise when drones finally take to the skies. So here is my conversation with Joshua Dalrymple. Joshua Dalrymple, welcome to the program. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate it. Thank you for being with us to talk about this issue of drones, which is really front and center these days for a number of reasons. I would like to hear from you first, from your standpoint in the, on the legal aspect of this, what are the biggest concerns that are emerging with regard to the emergence of drones? Yeah, this is a, a huge issue right now in the law because it's new tech. You know, it's relatively an untapped market. Uh, as far as, as laws go. And so the major issues that, that uh, from the legal standpoint, that everybody's trying to handle are, are two. One, privacy. Of course, everybody's worried about these drones flying above their houses and taking pictures of things and, uh, and how that relates to the public. And then two, safety. You know, nobody wants these drones falling out of the sky and damaging property or people. So that's kind of the, the two aspects of the concerns in the law. You know, those are kind of subcategorized between... Uh, public use drones, people that go out and fly these things or companies that do that, and then also government use, uh, police forces and that sort of thing. 
and so the uh, the laws kind of center around those different areas. Maybe this one falls in, in under the category of public in your mind from the standpoint of uh, what we're interested in, that is the com- use of commercial drones. Do you consider that as public use as well? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, uh, commercial drones are kind of a, a subcategory of public use, uh, and, and regulation kind of revolves around people doing this as a hobby, and, and they've been doing it for years, model airplanes and that sort of thing. Uh, and then most recently, commercial use. You know, you see these companies that are uh, doing deliveries and, and that sort of thing or, or experimenting with drones for that. Um, and that's uh, probably the hottest topic right now in drone use. So what is the legal landscape right now? Are there adequate laws out there to address the emergence of drones, or are we going to need to make some in order to uh, handle this new generation of technology? I would describe the legal landscape at this point as contentious. I think that's the best word. The law is kind of split between state and federal regulation. And state regulation revolves around more privacy and law enforcement issues. You know, so you have states that have uh, come down on all sides of this. Virginia, in my state, uh, has has put a moratorium on drone use uh, for law enforcement altogether until 2015. You have other states uh, that have accepted drone use and, and they encourage development. I think Ohio is one of those states that does that. So they come down on all sides of the issue, but mainly law enforcement and privacy. When you get into the commercial use that you're talking about, most of the regulation falls under federal law under the uh, FAA. That's where it becomes very, very contentious. And a little bit fuzzy, too, isn't it, in terms of what jurisdiction and authority the FAA currently has over these vehicles? Yeah, that's the big issue, and that's where it becomes contentious. Is you know, The FAA says, well, they're concerned with safety. You know, they want to regulate the skies to make sure these uh, um, aircraft are not running into each other and, and not falling out of the sky and not endangering the public. Where it becomes contentious is a lot of people would argue that they've never had the authority to regulate unmanned aerial vehicles, which is what drones fall into that category. So uh, the FAA says they've been doing it since 1990. Uh, the people who want to use the drones are saying, well, you may have been doing it, but you don't have authority from Congress to do that. There's no, there's no federal regulation that grants them that authority. And where it arises from is the definitions. They use a, a couple different laws. And in the definition section, everything related to aircraft has to do with piloted aircraft. And so the FAA is trying to use piloted aircraft uh, regulations to, to regulate unmanned drones, and that's where the contention happens. Is FAA contending that there is a pilot, the only difference being that the pilot's on the ground? Or, or do we mean that by definition of a piloted aircraft, literally there is a human being in the vehicle? The definition section is actually talking about a human being in the vehicle. What the FAA says is, is more of a, a, a general statement about it. They say, essentially, we make no distinction. We govern the air. So if it's in the air, uh, we can, we can uh, pass regulations and, or enforce regulations, really, to uh, determine how the aircraft is used. In terms of definitions right now, is there a clear line between what constitutes a toy or a hobby-oriented vehicle, and something else. That's kind of the problem, is the FAA has allowed hobby vehicles, uh, and, and they've been largely unregulated. So if your neighbor kid you know, wants to go out and, and, and fly his model airplane around the neighborhood, the FAA has not fined him or done an investigation if he crashes it or anything like that. Uh, and, and that's essentially what drones are, is, is advanced model airplanes. 
because of, I think, media focus on, on drones as of, as of late, the FAA has kind of waded into the fight and said, well, wait a minute, we're going to start to regulate. And that's where they've drawn a line between hobby use and commercial use. So they said, essentially, hobby use we're going to leave alone. That's, uh, you know, all the, the neighbor kid flying his drone around the neighborhood. We don't really care about that. Where we're really concerned is businesses uh, doing research and development on drones and flying these things around. And so they tried to strike a line and, and, and determine that those two things are different. Well, what if you take a hobby vehicle and stick a camera on it? Doesn't that suddenly become something else and privacy suddenly becomes an issue? Well, remember, the FAA is not as concerned with privacy. They're more safety. So federal regulations have to do with safety. Uh, they, don't, they don't really explore what you're doing with the drone, except for if it's used for some commercial use. It's the state level that, that tends to be more concerned with privacy. As far as cameras go, where the FAA would come down is they would say, if it's, if it's the neighbor kid and it's simply a hobby, and he's flown his model airplane up into the air, and he has a camera on it, uh, we don't care one way or the other. It doesn't matter what he has on it. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, where he's flying, uh, you know, as long as he stays relatively low and he's not uh, interfering with uh, other large aircraft, well, then uh, it's fine. But if it's commercial, if the same aircraft is handled by a business and they put a camera on it and they're saying take, take pictures of a wedding or something like that, well, then, uh, then we're going to regulate that. Sounds kind of fuzzy uh, in terms of the line between those two. Is there disagreement over the altitude at which FAA jurisdiction begins? Yeah, that makes it even more complicated. Uh, the FAA classes different levels of airspace, and, and, and the one that drones are, are concerned with is Class G airspace. And, and it's kind of complicated how they figure it uh, In the eastern United States, it's essentially everything under 700 feet. So everything under 700 feet is generally open and uncontrolled. The FAA says, look, you know, except around airports where planes are taking off and landing, but you know, if you're out and about, uh, 700 feet, everything under that is, is we generally don't care about. We don't do investigations. We don't issue certificates. Uh, you're fine in, in that area. Um, furthermore, model aircraft under 400 feet that are operated within the site of the operator have been unregulated by the FAA. So this has kind of been the standard procedure uh, for them throughout the years. You know, when they say, well, we, it goes back to 1990. That's when we started uh, uh, worrying about this. Uh, this has been the standard procedure, and now they're coming in and saying, well, all of that's off the table uh, if it's a commercial use. And they say, uh, you know, we've always regulated within that area, and we always have the power to, so we're going to, and we're going to eliminate uh, commercial use without uh, a certificate issued by them. So they essentially allow it, but it's so restricted in how you get that certificate that uh, no companies have really qualified. There's two, I think, that they have qualified under that. Sticking with the FAA for a moment, what is going on in, the, in that area? As I understand it, Congress has directed the FAA to draw up a, a set of, of regulations that would address some of these concerns and fuzziness and that they are required to come out with it uh, sometime when, in the next year or so? The FAA Modernization and Reform Act of 2012, that's where Congress uh, passed an act directing the FAA to come up with some sort of regulation or integration with these unmanned aerial vehicles uh, into the, the, you know, the national airspace. So they've directed them to come up with rules. The problem with this Modernization and Reform Act is it kind of complicated things for the FAA because in it, it doesn't recognize that they've ever had the power before. You know, it would be easy for Congress to say, well, you know, you've always had this power. We want you just to change it a little bit. But that's not what they said. What they said is we would like you to come up with something 
uh, implying that they had never done it before. Uh, so it, it really has kind of added fuel to the fire for the people who are arguing that the FAA does not have the power. And uh, there's been a case recently about this very issue where the FAA actually uh, lost the case. It was a federal judge who uh, ruled against it? The National Transportation Safety Board. Now, what they had been doing is issuing cease and desist letters. You know, they would find some usually uh, universities doing tests or companies doing tests. Uh, they would issue a letter that says you have to stop flying the drones or else. Well, for the first time, they actually fined uh, somebody $10,000. It was a, uh, a fellow flying a drone over, I think it was the University of Virginia, uh, taking some, some pictures uh, for, uh, I think, promotional items or something. And they fined him $10,000 in violation of, of the uh, aircraft rules. And interestingly, they did not uh, fine him for operating without a license or any of, uh, you know, not having the proper certificates. They fined him for operating recklessly. They said the operating law is operating recklessly. Uh, so he, uh, he took it to the National Transportation Safety Board, and they, he, and they lost the first round. Uh, uh, they, they issued an opinion, the court issued an opinion, uh, that essentially said all the things that we've just talked about, that they just don't have the authority to do it. It's never been granted by Congress. Now, at this current time, the FAA has appealed that decision, uh, and everybody's waiting to see uh, you know, where the appeal will come down. Now, that guy had a camera on his. He was taking pictures of the University of Virginia Medical School, I think. Now, did that raise any issues from other, other regulatory areas? Were there any state or private challenges to him on the privacy front, in addition to FAA's concerns over safety and reckless operation? Yeah, at this point in Virginia, there's only a, a few laws that they passed. One is a moratorium on using drones for law enforcement purposes. Essentially, Virginia said, well, hold off. You know, hold off until 2015 to figure out how we're going to do this because they're worried about Fourth Amendment search and seizure issues and invasion of privacy. Um, the only other law in Virginia that kind of relates to this is uh, is a hunting law that you can't use a drone to harass a hunter. Uh, you know, if they're if they're pursuing game. So he was fine as far as state law goes uh, with privacy issues. And furthermore, he was on private property. You know, filming uh, just what he was uh, granted authority to film. So. You know, he was, he was well within his rights under state law. It was the FAA that had an issue uh, with safety. But when it comes to state law, are we not looking at the possibility of a crazy quilt of state regulations that differ wild, uh, wildly over the use of drones for pri- you know, yeah, out yeah, of concern over privacy and the like? Yes, absolutely. Now, you'll have consistency over the safety rules as far as, you know, as, far as that goes. State level does not deal with... Uh, airspace and, and, you know, takeoff and landing in airports and air traffic controllers and that sort of thing. That's all under the FAA. Now, what you'll deal with at state law is what, what the purpose is of the, of the drone. You know, if you're filming something, uh, I think that's where you'll run into a patchwork of state law. This is not untapped territory for states. They've already got laws as far as who you can film in public and, and, and how that uh, you know, how that's done, you know, think of like wiretapping laws and things like that. The states already have a patchwork of laws dealing with that. You know, for, for businesses that want to do this, if they're multi-state, you know, just like many other laws, they're going to have to go through and, and uh, do an analysis of each state that they want to operate in and make sure they comply with those laws. I want to take a moment to tell you about Mercury Gate International, Inc., a global provider of cloud-based enterprise transportation management software that empowers shippers, 3PLs, freight brokers, and freight forwarders to supercharge their business. 
300 customers worldwide use the MercuryGate TMS every day to plan and execute their transportation, optimize loads across customers, track and trace their shipments, and analyze the performance of all parties involved. The MercuryGate TMS supports global multi-leg shipments using any mode including parcel, LTL, truckload, ocean, air, rail, and intermodal from point of origin to point of destination. MercuryGate delivers software-as-a-service and on-premise TMS solutions that can be configured to meet the unique business processes and workflows of shippers and logistics service providers, allowing execution of the most demanding freight movements. MercuryGate's single-platform TMS can be accessed with any web browser across the globe and allows for localization and personalization, as well as easy ERP, WMS, carrier, and customer network integration to tie together and strengthen your supply chain. TMS that delivers. www.mercurygate.com Now, back to the show. Where does this put the commercial delivery type drone companies? Like, for instance, Amazon wanted to demonstrate its Prime Air drone and wanted to make a video of it, but couldn't even do it in the United States. Had to do it outside, apparently outside of U.S. borders because it was afraid the FAA would come clamping down on it. So is this a severe obstacle to a company like Amazon, which sees drones as an important future aspect of its uh, delivery service? Yes. I mean, everybody's kind of up in the air at this point. Modernization and Reform Act uh, directs the FAA to come up with regulations by September 30th, 2015. Uh, All predictions seem to be that they will not meet their deadline, uh, which is not unusual. You know, government entities uh, often have (laughs) deadlines that they don't meet. Uh, But so it might be up in the air for a while. Where that leaves businesses is nobody really wants to be the test case. I mean, nobody wants to go out there and, and, and fly these things and then deal with, uh, um, you know, the litigation costs after the FAA strikes them down, uh, deal with those litigation costs as they try to defend what they did. You know, I think this case that they have from the University of Virginia might be the best opportunity for for companies to be able to wade into this area. I think if they lose the appeal, we will see a lot of companies jump in and, and, and say, well, look, you know, that's good enough for us. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and, and, and risk what the FAA is doing uh, in order to uh, get ahead of the curve as far as this goes. Do you think that future law will be able to distinguish between kinds of drones? Like, for instance, let's say an Amazon drone, which is not equipped with a camera, all it's doing is delivering a package. Therefore, you would think there would be no privacy concerns there and that the law would allow that over other types and or lawsuits might not be quite so prevalent. So is it possible that we could see that distinguishing in the future between different types of drones? Yeah, I think especially at the state level, you'll see a distinguishing type laws between ones that are operated with cameras and, and ones that are not. As far as the FAA goes, they have uh, offered the opportunity for Amazon especially to apply for the special airworthiness certificate, uh, and they have uh, Amazon has started through that process. So a lot of companies are watching what they're doing. Uh, the FAA regulations currently, as far as getting that certificate, uh, revolve around safety, you know, they, they have to show that, uh, that, that they're operating it safely. It has to be also in the public interest. There's a public interest requirement uh, that if, uh, you know, if it doesn't meet the public interest, if it's merely for uh, private commercial use and, and the public has no interest in it, then they would not offer the certificate. They're also requiring licensed pilots to operate them. 
and uh, opt-in approval, certified aircraft. So they have a whole list of requirements uh, that Amazon currently is trying to uh, comply with, and uh, I think businesses are really keeping an eye on that to see if they're going to allow it. There seems to be a certain level of absurdity in that requirement of licensed pilots. I mean, the the skill or the requirements for operating a drone would seem to me to be completely different than what it takes to sit in the cockpit of a plane and operate it. So doesn't that cause a, a real a potential uh, obstacle for a company like Amazon? Yeah, sure. They would have to you know hire a licensed pilot rather than uh, you know somebody who's experienced in, in operating drones. And I'm not a licensed pilot, but I would guess that the skills are quite different in how they... Uh, how they operate these things, and I think really the, uh, the the different requirements are set up to kind of eliminate use for commercial purposes. Like I said before, they've only so far as I know uh, actually authorized two drone models, and they're only certified to operate in Alaska, you know, way away from people. So it, you know, it's kind of silly. That's why Amazon has done their tests either indoors or in other countries, and I think that's what most businesses that are exploring this are doing. Is saying, well, we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna go somewhere else where they don't regulate this, and uh, that way we don't have to deal with the FAA authorizations. What kind of drones were those in Alaska? Were they commercial delivery drones, or were they something else? I don't know exactly what they were. One was uh, associated with Boeing. Another was a, a different company, but I don't know what they're researching them. Uh, uh, to do. I'm curious about this this test of public interest, too. I mean, you're saying that the mere providing of a commercial service by Amazon would not in and of itself constitute public interest. So what else would Amazon have to demonstrate in order to, in order to show that its service is in the public interest? Well, that's the thing. I, I think they're so general in their requirements. The FAA, their statement is simply, uh, you know, that Amazon needs to show why granting the exemption would be in the public interest. But they don't define what that is or, or how they make their decision. So when you read uh, Amazon's um, application for this certificate, you know, that's the argument they make is that delivery and, and uh, uh, you know, fast, efficient delivery is in the public interest because it serves uh, their customers. Uh, so that, that's the argument they're making. I just don't know that the, uh, uh, you know, that the FAA would buy that, or, and nobody really knows what, uh, what they mean by public interest. So this airworthiness certificate really requires them to jump through a bunch of hoops, doesn't it? Yes, it does, and, and I think it's intended to do so. I think what they're doing, you know, if I can guess, uh, you know, I think what the FAA is trying to do is eliminate as much uh, uh, drone use as possible until they can figure out what's going on. You know, they have also expressed concerns about uh, these drones not having uh, um, you know, avoidance technology that, that, that keeps them from running into other aircraft and that sort of thing. So, you know, obviously adding all of that technology to a drone would create, you know, a very heavy vehicle and, uh, you know, it might not be uh, as feasible as, as what they would want. So I think what they're trying to do with these certificates and, 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 and things is, is really try to eliminate it until they can come up with, uh, you know, what, what requirements they, they need in order to, for people to be able to fly these. Are they going to uh, also define uh, dimensions, acceptable uh, sizes of drones? Or will, that, will that be part of these future regs? I would expect to see that. Yes, I, uh, you know, I, I don't. I think they would have obviously with safety concerns more concern with larger vehicles. You know, if one of these things falls out of the sky and hits uh, property or or a person, then uh, clearly a smaller vehicle would be less dangerous than a larger one. So I, I would expect that. Yes, they will. Uh, they'll probably regulate all of that. 
Yeah, so so Congress, I believe, gave FAA a series of kind of benchmark uh, deadlines all along, and either they've missed some of those or barely made them up to this point, but you're pretty sure or you think there's a good chance that they're going to miss that ultimate uh, September 2015 one, huh? Well, I would think so, but I also, you know, I also have a dim view of government meeting deadlines. You know, if we, if we watch how uh, government operates uh, with other types of deadlines, say Obamacare is a good, the prime example right now, you know, they're, they're not very good at meeting these deadlines. And this is so much more complicated. You know, there's so many issues, and they've never, they've never really done this before. So uh, I think they're trying to figure out exactly what to do, and that's uh, going to cause them to delay, and new problems will arise. I mean, anybody uh, who runs a, a business knows that, you know, when you plan to do something, uh, you become aware of problems as you, as you continue through, and sometimes it extends uh, your, your estimates for, for what, uh, when the project will be finished. So even even when FAA does come out with the uh, with the rulemaking that Congress has directed it to do, I guess we shouldn't expect that that's going to solve all these problems and clear up all these uncertainties, should we? Well, I would think you know with any new regulations, no, I think it will uh, cause a host of other uh, uh, you know test cases and, and lawsuits and things to to really figure out what each of these things mean. I, I would expect the FAA to. Uh, continue down uh, the path that they've already they've already chosen is issuing as as general guidelines as possible and then trying to fill in the blanks afterwards. And then I guess you have tort law, you have private lawsuits that can emerge that have nothing to do with any of this. I can imagine that we're going to get a huge number of noise and nuisance suits or based on who knows what else. So I guess we should uh, kind of buckle down for that too, huh? There are obviously other uh, Potential legal issues that arise under drone law and, and civil suits is one. Uh, you know, I think personally that civil lawsuits are probably a good way of handling drone issues. You know, that allows more individualized uh, um, protection for people. So, for instance, you know, if uh, your neighbor kid is flying his drone around the neighborhood and he drops the thing on your car, uh, it doesn't do you much good if the FAA comes in and leads an investigation and finds him $10,000 that he pays to them and then eliminates his ability to ever operate a drone again. Well, that's great, but it doesn't pay for your car. A civil lawsuit, on the other hand, allows you uh, to recoup damages from him for the damage that he caused to your property, and, uh, you know, and, and that's a much better solution and doesn't require all of the government oversight. So I think civil lawsuits are kind of an important part of this uh, that really will kind of free up commercial use of drones. If, if businesses like Amazon say, look, you know, if we damage property, if we invade someone's privacy, there is already a system for them to handle that. We don't need necessarily the FAA or state law to come in and, 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 and tell us that that is or is not allowed. Even beyond actual, you know, uh Provable damage to property, though, I could see people just filing nuisance suits. And, of course, you know, uh, some of these hobby uh, aircraft are quite noisy. I don't think the drones would be very silent, so you'd have noise issues, too. So I guess uh, we'd be looking for some precedents to be set by that first wave of lawsuits that might help clear up, uh, clear up the picture later on, huh? Yeah, it's possible for uh, people certainly to file nuisance, nuisance suits. Those are a lot harder to win, though. Uh, than say property damage or invasion of privacy because they're uh, they're much more difficult to prove. You know, you've got to really uh, rise to the level where something's a nuisance. You know, what's the difference between uh, your neighbor operating a chainsaw to take down a tree in his backyard and and somebody flying over your property with a drone? You know, noise levels are uh, especially difficult because people operate lawnmowers and and you know hedge trimmers and things in their neighborhoods, uh, and you'd be hard pressed, I think, to show that a drone is is uh, you know, louder or more annoying than, than any of those things. 
I still I get the feeling that the drones are coming whether we like it or not, and we just have to figure out how to incorporate them into our lives. Do you have any feeling about that? Oh, yeah. I think they are. Uh, this is definitely a new wave of, uh, of opportunity, especially for business. You know, it's really neat to see businesses start to uh, grab onto this concept and say, well, wait a minute, this could uh, uh, really make an efficient delivery system. You know, as we integrate these into our current delivery system, if we can uh, you know, save money and, and, and create fast delivery, that is in the benefit of everybody. And I think, you know, what we'll see is, is uh, universities, I think, are going to be on the cutting edge of this. I think, uh, you know, university research and development programs are, are, are starting. And we've already seen them. You know, most of the people that the FAA has gone after have been university research and development programs uh, that are flying these things. So they're training students to, to, to be able to operate these drones. They're training students to be able to understand the issues that surround them. Uh, and, and I think we'll see, uh, you know, students start to integrate with these these companies and, and create systems that are very efficient and uh, very exciting. Of course, we haven't even addressed the technological, the logistical, the security, and the economic issues of making these drones work, but at least we've got a good picture here today uh, on the uh, regulatory and the legal uh, issues that are emerging. So, uh, Joshua Dalrymple, I want to thank you so much for joining us today to talk about this issue of drones. Thank you very much for being with us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, and I, I really appreciate you inviting me to talk about this issue. Before we go, a final word from our sponsor, Mercury Gate International, Inc., a global provider of cloud-based enterprise transportation management software that allows shippers and service providers to supercharge their business. The Mercury Gate TMS delivers transportation planning and execution, load optimization, global shipment tracking, and performance analysis of involved parties. Mercury Gate enables your business to be smarter, stronger, faster, better than the competition by supporting all modes of transportation and handling multimodal, multi-leg, global transportation requirements door-to-door. TMS that delivers. www.mercurygate.com That was my conversation with attorney and professor Joshua Dalrymple, talking about the legal and regulatory implications of the rise of the drones. I'm Bob Bowman, managing editor of Supply Chain Brain. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch nearly 2,000 videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. Don't forget to check us out on iTunes. Just search for Supply Chain Brain Podcast. See you next time.